Hello, listeners. My name is Veronica Kim, and you are now listening to Unity in Christ. Next Thursday is November 24th, and it will be Thanksgiving Day. Instead of thanking God for all the blessings of the harvest, people today seem to be more interested in the sales that happen on Black Friday. Around this time, all the newspapers and television channels are busy advertising to get you to shop in their stores. Many people take this day very seriously and to get the best deals for the things they want to buy. I am always saddened around this time to see how the real meaning of thanksgiving, of giving thanks to God, has turned into a day of shopping, the best sales of the year. But we must not forget the real meaning of this day. How do all of you spend Thanksgiving Day? I hope you spend some time on this day thinking about the Puritans who risked their lives 400 years ago by fleeing to America and the reason that we should be thankful because of the risks they took for religious freedom. The Puritans fled England and the church's persecution to a new land. They prayed this prayer before leaving England for America. Please allow us to settle in a country without kingship, a church without a pope, a place where we can speak English in our daily lives, a land that is fruitful with lots of water. They left their homeland to flee to an unknown land on September 6, 1620. Seventy-eight men and 24 women, including 25 sailors, a total of 102 Puritans boarded the Mayflower. They left the English harbor and headed for the land that is now the state of Virginia in America. However, due to the strong northwesterly winds during their two months of travel, they ended up landing northeast of Virginia in an area now known as Massachusetts on November 11th. They traveled risking their lives to keep their faith, but they were met with a harsh reality. We will continue our discussion after the first song. Drop 
102 Puritans spent a very difficult two months of sailing in the ocean and landed in Massachusetts in November. The cruel reality that they faced in Massachusetts was completely different from their expectations. They had no place to stay in the harsh cold, and they were faced with hunger and all kinds of diseases that took the lives of almost half the people. The people that were still alive had to decide how they would survive the winter, and they saw little hope in their future. Even though they went through those harsh times, this is what was written in one of their journals. We finally landed, but an unexpected thing happened. We thought that we would land on a land that was warm and beautiful, but we were surprised by how cold and harsh the wind was. It was brutally cold, but we were thankful to God for being alive, making it off the ship, and to make it through the harsh sail. We are not going to complain about how cold it is, but move forward only being thankful to God. Many people left the world to be with God. There are only 50 of us left. We are so thankful that there are six or seven of us that are still healthy. They took care of all of us that were sick to the end. 
It is through their dedication that we had enough strength to feel better, and we will be able to stand tall again. They began a farm by planting the seeds they brought over from England. But all the farming failed. Hunger set in, and they began to lose all hope for survival. They came together and began to pray again. God, you are the one that called out to all of us. You are the one that watches over us always. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. God sent help to the pilgrims who were in despair by sending the Indians. The Indians share their food and seeds with them and even show them the right way to farm. That is how, after one year of living in America, they were able to give their first Thanksgiving worship together in 1621. They prayed this prayer as they offered their first harvest to God. We have lost many friends crossing the Atlantic Ocean, but God, you have provided so much more than we have expected. We thank God for all His grace and offer our first harvest to Him. The faithful ancestors of the Americans came together with the native Indians to pray, worship, and give thanks to God and to share a meal together, which included a wild turkey. Filled with hope for survival, the Puritans cut down trees to build a church and then a school. The last thing they built were their homes. I thought about how I would act if I was put into a situation like these Puritans. How can they be so thankful to God, even in the midst of all that despair? I also thought about what it means to be thankful by looking at how thankful the Puritans were and how they gave Thanksgiving worship when it didn't even look like they had much to be thankful for.
Coming up next is sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Thanksgiving, Part 2, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Mark. Thankful people are not controlled by their circumstances. I see this illustrated in the lives of many Christians I have known. I once read about pioneer missionary Amy Carmichael, pioneer missionary to India. She became very weak and sick and was actually bedridden. How frustrating for a servant of God to not be able to do what they know they're called to do for God. How could this be the will of God? You can imagine how she was feeling. But she said, nothing in life can harm you, only your response. Wasn't that good? Nothing in life can harm you, only your response. The only thing that can keep us from becoming prisoners to our circumstances is thanksgiving. It reminds us that God is in control. It's easy to thank God for obvious blessings, don't you think? I mean, whenever things are going good, I can praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. But maybe you with me have often thought, how do I give thanks to God for bad things? Because it says in everything, give thanks. Give thanks to God for all things. How do I give 
God thanks for bad things because I think one of the reasons we have difficulty with this is that because we think if we thank God for the bad things we experience, it seems like we're giving God credit for doing those things. You think that maybe if you thank God for the flat tire on the way to church, thank you, Lord. It's like, well, did God do that to me? Or the car won't start, or the automatic deposit doesn't. Thank you, Lord, you did that to me. Are we supposed to thank God for those things? Yes. But we aren't thanking God as if this is originating from Him, and it's not His doing. But we thank Him because we believe that He is going to work through everything for the good of His children. When we give thanks in all things, we're saying in essence, thank you God that you are still in control despite I lost my job, despite what the doctor's saying about my health, despite the loss of a loved one, despite the bad news I've just heard. Thank you God, you are still in control. And Romans 8.28 kicks in, for we know that God is at work in every person's life that loves him, working his good plan. God is working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yes, Lord, hanging on to that. Thanksgiving is not just a matter of thanking God for what has happened, but it's really about thanking God for what you trust he will do with what has happened, right? When things are bad and you thank God for even the bad things, you're saying not so much thank you, God, for what's happened, but thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I trust you. You see, this is why thankfulness in all circumstances is especially honoring to God because it's an expression of faith. It's an expression of faith. It's saying to God, I trust you for what I can't see. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction, the certainty of things we do not see. Faith, someone has said, is our handle on what we can't see. I can't see God's work exactly, but faith is my handle on it. I believe it. I'm hanging on to God, even though I can't see how any good can possibly come out of this thing. Someone has said, How happy a person is depends upon the depth of his gratitude. I think that's right. How happy you are will be dependent upon the depth of your gratitude. A thankless heart is soon going to grow cold and hard towards God, and the result is going to be ingratitude. You know, there was that day when ten lepers approached Jesus outside a village, and they were crying out to Jesus to have mercy on them and to heal them. They had an incurable illness. And in that day, they were, they were treated like, like outcasts and they couldn't come close to anyone. They were excluded from their families. And Jesus did have mercy on them and he instantaneously healed all ten of them as they were going back towards Jerusalem to get a clean bill of health from the priests. But you know what? Of the ten that Jesus healed, how many came back and said, Thank you! Thank you! Only one. How that must have grieved the heart of Jesus. The Bible tells us that ingratitude is a sin. It is a sin just as much as lying or stealing or being involved in immorality. Ingratitude is a sin. 
The Bible tells us that one of the charges that God will bring against the world and will one day judge the world for is ingratitude. The Bible says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. They didn't give thanks. Ingratitude is offensive to God and it grieves His heart. But thanksgiving, thanksgiving, pleases the heart of our Father. Look at Psalm 69. Psalm 69, about mid-Bible. If you, if you want to just kind of find Psalms, you're not too familiar with the Scripture. Psalm 69. And we're going to look at verse 30. It's really important now that we're all looking together, okay? Psalm 69. And we're going to look at verse 30. Will you read with me now? 6930. Everybody read good and loud. I will praise the name of God with song and shall magnify him with thanksgiving. I'm going to praise to God with song. You've done that. Then he says, I'm going to magnify God. How can you magnify somebody who's bigger than the universe? Well, it's talking about my view of God. I'm going to go boom, 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 boom. I'm going to magnify God. Instead of magnifying my problems with thanksgiving. Well, that's easy for David to say. He was a king. He had everything he wanted. No, 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 no. What's the context? Verse 29. Look at verse 29. But I am afflicted and in what? Pain. He's writing in pain. His heart is broken. He's hurting. And in the midst of his hurt, he's saying, I'm going to praise the name of God with song. I shall magnify him with thanksgiving. Paul can write from prison. He can say, you, admon- you, you be filled with the Spirit. Even I can say that, he's saying, I can say that from prison. Be filled with the Spirit, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts of the Lord, and giving thanks in all things. Want to get out of the pits? Start praising God. Start thanking God. Look at Psalm 95 to the right. Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is fun. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Let's read it again together. You read it with boldness. Read it good and loud, everyone. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Here we go. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. Excellent. You guys read phenomenally. (laughs) Wonderful. That is excellent. Now... This is what I want to do. If we were in the temple courts and they were actually singing this song in Jerusalem at the time that it was written, they would be doing what was said. Okay? So this is what we're going to do. Buckle your seatbelts. Hold on to your hats. Okay? Here we go. I'm going to divide you into groups and give you a word to say to the Lord. Actually, we're going to shout it to the Lord. Okay? So I want you guys to be right here, this main section in the central sanctuary. 
the center section in the north sanctuary. And let's see, you're divided down the middle. So um, let, let's say uh, this section, this section in the south sanctuary that I'm pointing at, okay? We're all going to be glory. Say glory. Glory. Awesome. Okay. Now, over this way, you're going to be hallelujah. Okay, so here we go. Hallelujah. Oh, weak. How weak. <laughs> Say glory for them. Glory. Your? Hallelujah. And your amen. Amen. Everybody on this side, everywhere else is amen. amen. Okay, so we've got one more time. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo, that's nice. That's sounding like Sunday night at Calvary, actually, okay? <laughs> sounding like Sunday night. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to read. I'm, I'm not a great cure, okay? But you kind of have to read and look at me at the same time, okay? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to point to you, and we're going to sing, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. And then we're going to go, dun, 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 okay? When it's shout joyfully, you're going to shout, glory, hallelujah, amen, okay? Can you handle it? Oh, it's going to work. It's going to work. Let's all read together and get ready to say it. Here we go. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. To the rock of our salvation, let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. To Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's good. That's great. That's great. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Now let's look at Psalm 100. Oh, you know what's coming here. Psalm 100 is written to be a psalm for thanksgiving. It's a psalm for thanksgiving. It's written to do just what we're doing right now. So let's, let's do what it says. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Here you go. Read on, serve the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful singing, know that the Lord Himself is God, it is He who has made us, and not we ourselves, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture, enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Reading on, for the Lord is good, His loving kindness is how long? And His faithfulness to all generations, and everybody say it all together, everything. Glory, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. How was church? I always shouted at church. Bottom line. A thankful life honors God. A thankful life, a life filled with thanks, honors God. We're saying, God, we believe you're in control. Even when things don't look like it, even when things go bad, even when we don't feel like it, 
Practicing thanks living is a great witness to the world. As people who don't know Jesus look at our lives and and they know when things don't go well for us and things don't go as expected and they see us full of thanks in spite of that, it makes an impact. Always has. Way back, almost 2,000 years ago, in 125 A.D., Aristides, a Greek, a pagan Greek, writing to a pagan friend, described why he believed this new religion of Christianity was experiencing such extraordinary success. In this ancient letter we found, he writes, If any righteous man among the Christians passes from the world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God. And they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. (laughs) What are they doing? They're so happy. They act like he's gone someplace great. Well, he has. Aristides saw that Christian thanksgiving was not just emotion. It was a willful, chosen, determined response to life's circumstances. We have so many reasons to live a thank-filled lives. Think of all the material blessings God has given to us. Thank you, God, that, that we have a house that hasn't been blown down or washed away. Thank you, Lord, that as we look to our neighbors to the south, we have a floor in our house and not dirt. Thank you, Lord, that we have a roof over our head that is not cardboard. Thank you, Lord, that we're not living out of a shopping cart on the street. Thank you, Lord. It's so easy to look at what you don't have. You magnify the Lord instead of magnifying your problems. That's what Thanksgiving does. I think we ought to thank God for the people in our lives, don't you? For our church family. The Apostle Paul models this for us. He wrote to the believers in Corinth saying, I always thank God for you. He wrote to the believers in Rome. I think he must have spent some time in the Southwest because he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. (laughs) To his brothers and sisters in Philippi, he wrote, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I thank God for the people in my life. I thank God for you. I love you, and I thank God for you. Thank God for my church family. Thank God for my friends. I thank God for my wife, Leslie. What a gift from God she is. Thank God for my children. Thank you, Lord, for my kids. Thank God for the people who led me to Jesus, my dear friends who shared the gospel with me. I think we should thank God for our salvation too, don't you? Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Who could ever thank God enough for the blessing of eternal life given to us through Jesus Christ? Winston Churchill paid a great tribute to the young men who were in the Royal Air Force who guarded England during the war. And he said famous words that you've heard before. He said, never in the history of mankind have so many owed so much to so few. And when we think of the cross of Christ, we can say the same thing, can't we? Never in the history of the universe has mankind 
owed so much to one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we ought to thank God for his presence and power in our lives. You know, we're not left to fend for ourselves. We're not left to get through this life and the evil days and the hard times on our own. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus says, I've got to give you a mission now. In my authority, go. And you make disciples of all the nations and you teach them and you win them to me and you baptize them. And then Jesus said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, literally, I'm with you all the days. I'm with you on your glad days. I'm with you on your bad days. I'm with you in the sad days. I'm with you in the dazed days. I'm with you all the days, even to the end of the age. Always, I'm with you. It's power working in our lives. We're not left to live, you know, when you try to live the Christian life in your own power, you will fail. But when you walk in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, you will not fail. The Holy Spirit, He still works. There's still power in Jesus Christ. A little five-year-old girl had been in Sunday school for a few months and she loved her Sunday school class. And she loved everything about it, but especially she loved the way the class would end. The Sunday school teacher had a unique way of ending. Every single class would be dismissed with the teacher leading them in singing the doxology. Now, some of you know what that is. It, 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 it's a hymn of praise. Doxos is a word of, for praise in Greek. So the doxology is old, old hymn that has been sung for centuries. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that's what they would end every little class with. All these little five-year-olds would sing it. She loved to sing that, but in her own words. (laughs) And she would sing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Here we go. (laughs) Isn't that great? You know, God wants us to go forth in praise. He wants us to leave here in praise. He wants us to go praising Him, thanking Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much that You can fill our hearts with thanksgiving. There is reason to praise You In the good times, thank you for the blessings you've given us. And Lord, in the difficult times and the bad times, we thank you that you are in control, that through whatever has been thrown at us, Lord, you are working all things together for good. And in faith, we thank you for how you will work, Lord. We trust you. And Lord, like this little one, we want to praise you. All blessings flow from you. Lord, we praise you. Here we go, Lord. In Jesus' name.
and everyone's set. But God 
There are many cases of delivery delays, lost, or damaged CDs right before or after Christmas due to the increase in packages during the holidays. We predict that deliveries during that time may not go as smooth as non-holiday season. If you did not receive your CD, please contact our office right away to receive a replacement copy. The number is 602-866-8999. Thank you. Following is a program on the Sermon on the Mount. Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston with the Sermon on the Mount. Last time we learned about the blessings bestowed on those with a pure heart. We wash our bodies and do what we can to keep our environment clean. Everybody probably does these things as part of their normal routines. As Christians... We should emphasize being pure in heart as much as we care about bodily hygiene in our environment because God finds that to be the most important. Now let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So what does peace mean? The dictionary defines the word peace as the normal, non-warring condition of a nation, group of nations, or the world. The Greek word used in the passage is erin. Translated, the word erin means tranquility, harmonious relationship, and unity. It is often translated as peace in the Bible. The Hebrew word shalom may sound more familiar to us. This word also means to be full of joy, goodness, and blessing from having a right relationship with God. Thus, the word peace in the Bible doesn't mean a non-warring and comfortable condition, but it means being joyous through having a harmonious relationship with God and following His principle laid out in His creation. God created the Garden of Eden as a peaceful, tranquil place. The first man, Adam, was in a harmonious relationship with God until sin crept in. The peace was broken after Adam and Eve sinned. After Adam and Eve sinned, how did the relationship between them and God change? Well, first, they hid themselves from God. They became afraid of God and wanted to avoid Him. Sin damaged mankind's relationship with God, but it also negatively impacted relationships between people. Remember when Adam referred to Eve as bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh? After they sinned, Adam says, The woman whom you gave to be with me, 
She gave me from the tree, and I ate. He not only blames Eve, but even God as well. So sin destroys peace and harmony. The Bible describes the result of our broken relationship with God by calling us enemies of God. However, God's desire, His heart, is not for us to stay His enemies. He paid the price to make peace. Who made peace? In what state were we when this peace was made? Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Let's look at another verse. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22 says, Having made peace through the blood of His cross, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. That's right. It is while we were still sinners and while we were enemies of God that we were reconciled to him through the death of Jesus. Jesus became our peace. That is why when we confess our sins and accept Jesus our peace, we can be reconciled to God. But in the scripture, Jesus didn't say the people who are reconciled to God are blessed, but rather the peacemakers are blessed. In all actuality, we cannot be peacemakers if we are not at peace with God. God's people who are reconciled to God through Jesus will become peacemakers just as Jesus is. As it is written in 2 Corinthians, God reconciled us to him and gave us a job to be peacemakers. Then what is the job of a peacemaker? What kind of people are called peacemakers? First, we have to be harmonious with one another in the community of faith. Second, we should lead non-believers to reconciliation with God. The Bible says, You esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another and pursue peace with all men and the sanctification. However, pursuing peace with all men doesn't mean uniting unconditionally and saying everything is good. Condoning unrighteousness is not peace either. As I said earlier, people can be at peace only if their relationship with God is right. We can live at peace with one another once we as a community pursue living at peace with God through Jesus Christ. We must get rid of malicious jealousy, quarreling, and instead be merciful and forgive one another. When believers are at peace with one another, it influences the world as well. If the church is not a good model of peace, then we may not be the peacekeepers we are called to be between God and non-believers. When there are troubles or quarrels in the church, how does the world see the church? They say that Christians are fighters and not peacemakers. Peacemakers acknowledged by Jesus live at peace with others in a community of faith and are witnesses to non-believers, bringing them to a place of reconciliation with God. What is the blessing promised to peacemakers? Jesus says, They are blessed because they shall be called sons of God. 
they will be acknowledged by God as his sons. There would be no greater glorious calling. It is such a blessing to be called as sons of God, along with his one and only son, Jesus. Before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. When he appeared to his disciples after he resurrected, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The peace Jesus made through the cross is a true peace the world cannot give. Jesus tells us not to worry or fear anymore, since we are reconciled to God through the peace he gives. Just like God sent Jesus to reconcile with us, Jesus is sending us to the world as peacemakers. Are you living at peace with Jesus? Likewise, are you bringing peace to the world? Ever since sin entered this world, the world has been in a continued state of chaos and conflict. Humans have tried to make the world peaceful, but they have always failed because it wasn't true peace. Jesus gave us true peace that he made possible through his blood. I pray that we enjoy the peace given by Jesus and live our lives as peacemakers. Today we studied Jesus' words regarding the blessings God bestows on peacemakers. Next time, we will study the last part of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in trees when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze then sings my soul my Savior God to thee 
How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in that on a cross. My burdens gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou Puritans came over on the Mayflower to serve God, not to lose faith. They came to have freedom to practice their faith, but they were faced with a harsh truth, sacrifice. Some of them lost their loving husband, and some of them lost their wives. Some of them lost their elderly parents, while some of them lost their brothers and sisters. How do you think they felt when they had nothing to eat and having to face the brutal cold. How do you think they felt when there was nothing they could do for their dying family members because there was no way for them to treat the disease? If that were me, I would feel so sad and guilty over how I could not help my sick family members. I would have regretted leaving my homeland and to live in despair every day. However, their faith was strong. They did not waver. They always placed God first in their lives, 
and always thanked him for everything in their lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When I read these words, there is a word that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. That word is everything. We tend to be thankful when we receive what we have been hoping for or when something that we have been wishing for happens. But how can we really be thankful in every situation? How many times a day are we faced with situations that we can't possibly be thankful for? How can we give thanks when we go through something so sad that we are not able to handle it on our own? How can we be thankful when we are living in despair, feeling frustrated and hopeless? Why does God tell us to be thankful in every situation when He knows everything that happens in our lives? Consider in Christ Jesus. The Hebrew word for in is in, and it means together, because, do, or with. So, in Christ Jesus means with Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, due to Jesus Christ, we must be thankful. In the end, our reason to be thankful is not for ourselves or the situation, but for Jesus Christ who lives inside us. We can be thankful in every situation and nothing is impossible if we are with Him. Paul tells us that this is God's will through Jesus Christ. To be thankful to God in any situation is to have total trust in God in every situation. And that is why God commands us to be thankful. We should not be thankful only in certain conditions. Even though we are faced with a situation so horrible that we cannot understand, if we truly trust and have faith in God, remembering all that He has done for us, then we can be thankful in everything that happens in our lives. I hope that one day we can all look back on our lives saying that there wasn't one thing in our lives that we couldn't be thankful for. This ends our Unity in Christ program for today. I hope to see all of you again next week. Have a wonderful, thankful week, and God bless. Yeah.